what we did during ICP sessions, mainly without letting any of the magic out or anything like that, is the professionalism. You know what I'm saying? You have a steady studio squad yourselves. You put yourselves on a nice schedule, a regular schedule. You do treat that shit like it's a job. You literally set up a schedule, you know? You execute it like that. You stick to that schedule, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's one of the main things that I took away from that. Friends, Romans, countrymen. Let me your ears. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the MC Lars podcast. This is episode 112. It is Monday, November 30th. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks to everyone who came to see the Four-Eyed Horseman post-Thanksgiving stream on Saturday. Shout out to my DJ, DJ Atlas, holding it down. We're doing another remote concert on December 26th, the holiday-themed one. And uh, it's just awesome how well these remote concerts have been going. And it's really cool hearing from people say, well, you know, you never come to Fairbanks, Alaska. You never come to freaking Darwin, Australia. People tuning in in remote places who wouldn't be able to see us on tour. And in a way, the pandemic has helped us connect with y'all more. And y'all have been very generous to buy tickets. And uh, thank you. The holiday one's going to be super tight. I'm also doing a New Year's Eve show for First Night Monterey, which is the festival in Monterey I always play. And uh, they're doing it remote, so I'll have more info on that. But um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of concerts this year, even though the venues have shut down. My guest this week, DJ Clay, talks about that. And this is a man who not only did he have and recover from COVID, his own label that he started has been putting out tons of music, AR Entertainment. He has a new hot sauce. His new record is called Over the Fear Of, and uh, the hot sauce is named after that. This guy, DJ Clay, I've seen him play with ICP and solo with Shaggy. I did a show with them at their Dark Carnival Games convention in Denver. And then I saw DJ Clay tour with them on uh, the Bang Pow Boom tour, I think. But anyway, he does these mixtapes for them, the Let Em Bleed mixtapes for Hatchet House, which is a subsidiary of Psychopathic Records. He talks about the upcoming mixtape, Let Em Bleed 5. He talks about his new record. He talks about his artists. He talks about how he stayed productive during this time. And uh, shout out to my man, MC Snacks, because he helped me come up with the questions for the podcast, because MC Snacks is tight. Every week you can see him and me on YouTube on Hatchet Chat, talking about a ICP-produced or related album on Psychopathic Records. But this is the first time I've talked to an artist who's actually directly affiliated with Psychopathic Records. And uh, DJ Clay, he's a, he's a really humble guy, a cool guy, told some good stories, talked about his childhood. And uh, so thanks, Clay. It was awesome talking to you. Um, this week's episode is brought to you, of course, as always, by the Patreon Larson. Shout out to the new ones, Mac, Kenny, and every show, Joe. Shout out to the old ones. John, Colin, and Christina, if you sign up at patreon.com slash mclars, you will get my entire back catalog of Patreon songs that you haven't heard. You'll get my new song, Droids, about the 1985 ABC's Star Wars cartoon. Uh, my Fallen Order jam is dropping soon. Of course, I'm going to do songs about The Mandalorian, which I've done before, season one and season two, everything. So I call that series the Lars Wars series. So check that out. And uh, I really enjoy these podcasts because I feel like, you know, we get to communicate directly and I get to say hello. We're doing well. Our son is almost seven months old. Um, quarantine is, you know, it's happening. It's all good. I'm getting a lot done. Um, but I do miss touring. I do miss my West Coast fam. And uh, yeah, so talking to DJ Clay was cool to know that like there are other artists who have been going through similar things and doing well. So this is my interview with DJ Clay on the MC Lars podcast. 
You're listening to the MC Lars podcast. We got DJ Clay. Hey, yeah. We could go into the background of how you and Rude Boy linked and the big ballers party and the tour with Shaggy. We don't need to get into all that now because the Juggalos know your history. I want to talk about your record, your hot sauce, your label, your work with Danny Diablo, all that stuff. Jason the Sin God, yeah. all that stuff because you've been doing a lot of stuff. And uh, we talked earlier today, but it's just dope to have you on the podcast. So what's up, man? How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. How are you doing, man? You know, we are surviving everyone's got an interesting story right, right now because like how every how's everything with the quarantine stuff in uh, in detroit well as of today the day that we're doing this right now uh here in michigan they they just shut everything down again basically for three months or three weeks i mean three weeks it's gonna turn into three months you know it should you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This shit's crazy, but uh, just like you said, you know, you're surviving. I'm surviving too. I'm doing the same thing. I really don't go too, you know, if, if since we ain't touring, you know, right now. So the only places I really go is, you know, the house or the studio. So yeah. I keep myself pretty sheltered, I guess, you know. And and when I have people in the studio, I, it's like um, somebody from my label you know so it's they're real they're all private sessions you know and even if we have clients in here or something we limit it you know what i'm saying no more than four people in here like basically so it's like keep it pretty pretty limited in here just to be safe do you try to keep six feet away from people and keep them in the booth or is it kind of is that hard to do when you're working with them that's hard to do in the studio i really don't mind that much just don't like fucking sneeze or cough on me or some shit you know like right I, I really don't mind like the six foot rule. I mean, I see so many people not. I mean, they don't even half the world don't even know that exists, or at least they act like it don't. You know? Yeah. I had COVID. For real? Yeah, I had COVID at uh, in the end of July, and nobody knew it or would know it because I had nothing to talk about about it because it. Uh, I was just like this every day, like literally, literally like fine, hundred percent good. Wow, man! I didn't even believe I didn't even believe I had it. I didn't even believe I had the shit. I was like, "There's no way," you know what I'm saying? But then, uh, my girl, my kids, they tested positive as well. So I was like, "All right, well, maybe we got it." But the only thing is, everybody in my house was fine. You know, you sound fucking stupid if you don't think this shit is real. It is real. Did you have any symptoms? I went and got tested. I was like, "Fuck it, I'll go get tested." Test came back negative. I was like, "Of course it is." You know what I'm saying? Sure. You know, and uh, and then it was. Was it about um, yeah, and end of July? It was on a weekend. It was like on a Friday night, and I get fucking sick once a season, anyways. Like I know mm. I'm gonna prepare for it ahead of time. I already know. I keep the night cool on deck, and it's like I can feel when it's coming out. You know when you feel that cold coming, like that first night, you're like ah, I kind of feel shitty behind my eyes, and yeah. like I can feel it coming on. Like so, like it was like that on a Friday night, and I so I, you know. Ate some Nyquil, Nyquil, Nyquil it up, and um, the next morning I woke up feeling great. Only sense of smell and taste was gone a little bit on, by Saturday. So by Sunday comes around, sense of taste and smell is really gone, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go to the doctor on Monday, get a Z pack or something, you know, be on my way, you know, just kick this cold ass real quick and be straight. Uh, so while we're sitting in there, I was like, like give me another, uh, you know, I told the doctor, give me another test, you know, run me another one. You know, he said, he said, oh, man, you know, you're fine. You don't have no temperature. And I was like, 
you, you fucking get paid for the shit anyway. Fucking give me one, you know? <laughs> like every time you bust <laughs> bust one of these packs open that you're about to jam up my nose, you get paid for it. So why right. are you arguing? So he he gave me another test, and uh, after that, uh, that was a Monday. Now you know, two days later was well, here comes Wednesday. I get the phone call. Hey, you tested positive. I'm like, what? I can taste and smell again. So all that was already back within the two days. And no other symptoms. I had no fever, no shortness of breath, no cough. The sense of taste and smell was back already. You know, by the time I got my results, and it only took two days to get the results. You know, so I don't know. I'm one of those rare few, maybe. Maybe I was blessed, you know what I'm saying? Because I know people are dying. But I also know, like I had an uncle that recently died, right? Not from COVID. Mm. They chunked his death up to COVID. They made him another number. You know what I'm saying? My my girl's dad, he died recently. They, he he died as COVID. You know what I'm saying? He didn't die from COVID, though. Wow. It's like, but I'm not stupid either. I see what's going on. You know? like That must have been hard, man. How's your family, though? Are they okay? Yeah, the whole family's good. Everybody's good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, you know, it, it sucks when somebody in the family dies. You know, you, you, you grieve. You go through all that shit. You know, one of them was unexpected, like out of left field. You know what I'm saying? My uncle, you know, was like out of left field. Like, what? What? Couldn't believe that shit. And then and it's like uh, my girl's dad, like, we knew that was coming because he was already kind of in, like, a hospice type of state, you know, for a mm-hmm. little while. So we knew that was coming. But so that was a little bit easier to prepare for for the family and everything. But still, you can never really prepare for it, you know. Like, there's even though you know it's coming, when it happens, it's still different, you know. You know, uh, so yeah, a few, you know, like, it was, like, about six years ago now when I uh, lost my ma. She was the same way. She was in, like, a hospice type state and uh even though I knew it was like any day type shit. It was, uh, and you know, it, it definitely did make it easier. I mean, knowing it was coming because you prepare yourself beforehand. But when it actually happens, it's like, like I said, there's really no preparing for that type of shit, you know, as much as you try to, you know, but, you know. But yeah, I'm fucking, you know, I'm fucking Superman here. I kick COVID's ass. COVID can <laughs> suck it slow, you know? <laughs> and your whole family kicked COVID's ass, it sounds like. Yeah, my fucking son was doing flips and cartwheels. He didn't give he didn't, wasn't sick. Yeah. It's crazy. So, you know, we did the responsible thing, though. You, you know, we stayed in the house for 14 days, quarantined as fuck. You know, because I, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, you know, what if this shit really is real? We do got it. If it's contagious, I don't want to contaminate anybody, you know, that might not be able to handle it. Our body immune system can't handle it and they fucking go die. Like That, that would suck, you know. So we did, did the right thing. And then after after that time passed, you know, we all got cleared, checked again. And I mm. guess we're I guess we're asymptomatic. You're probably not as scared about catching it, right? Not at all. I've done a couple shows and like been around a lot of people to where it's, you know, it's weird because the capacity is only like fifty percent here in yeah. Michigan. Like I did, uh, and I, I did a Devil's Night show, which ended up selling out at only the fifty percent capacity. Um, when I hit stage, it looked like there's a lot more than fifty percent of the people in there, though. So, uh, and I personally didn't give a fuck. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, the bigger the crowd, the better. Let's do it, you know. And it was smacking, and um, it got shut down not because of capacity or nothing like that. There was a fight mm-hmm. right as the cops were walking out, like like they were gonna let the show go on after the fight. After they after they learned that uh, they learned that you know that the people that were fighting has have already been kicked out and everything it's, it's already been taken care of by security by the time the cops got there 
You know, they were about to let the show go on. I was on stage as this was happening. I didn't learn none of this till after the fact. You know, I was on stage as it was happening. Then I get the word from, um, you know, the promoter. He's like, yo, we got to shut it down. You know, fuck, they're calling the EMS. And then I'm like, why? And then he points over and there's some bitch on the ground fucking ODing from heroin. Like, wow. go do that shit in your, go do that fucking shit in your car. Do you consider yourself more of a rapper a dj more of a producer because you're you do all three and like i don't know a lot of people who do all three you, you know that's a great question i ask myself that shit every day um i uh, i i don't know you know some people would say i'm a better dj than a rapper some people say i'm a better rapper than a dj some people just say i'm a better producer i consider myself just a great entertainer it's like kind of like narrowing it down to that yeah like, i just i'm just a great entertainer all the way around i like i like being an entertainer i like entertaining people no matter what it's through you know what i'm saying if it's through my beats you know I, I love producing though i love producing for people like just slapping them with a banger and just seeing them make it come alive with their raps you know other artists and shit and then um you know but i love rapping and you know I love, it all came hand in hand like they all kind of came at the same time when i first started getting into this shit you know, the, like the the turntables came first, and then there's break beats, and I'm like, oh fuck, I can rap over these myself, you know. And I'm rapping, and you know, I'm writing, you know. And then, uh, and then, you know, a little bit later, when I was able to afford like any type of gear to make, and I'm like, well, I could also make these beats too, probably. And mm. I start do I start doing it, and fucking, I'm, I learned that I actually am good at it, so it just continued on from there. And something I love about the uh, over the fear of your new record. The hooks, you sing, you sing, and that's cool, man. You're fearless with the singing. Like, have you always been a singer too? No, I, I'm not a singer <laughs> by far. I, I will be I, I will be able to yeah. get into the groove, you know? Like, I'll be able to get into that pocket for sure, you know? But um, some of those vocals were backed by one of my other artists that's on the label, uh, Russell Hood. You know, and he's, he's, he can fucking rap too. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's, he's great. You know? So I would sometimes on not every one of the songs, but you know, he has credit in the, in the book uh, on the songs. If you like got the hard copy, then, you know, you'll see the credit, but, um, the ones that he did, like he would go in, I'd have him back me. And then in the mix, I'd predominantly make it me and have him back me. You know what I'm saying? So I'd get into the pocket though. And, and I'd, I, for some of the songs that he was backing me on, I'd credit him to, actually put me in that pocket because i would hear him and i'd be like okay this is what i'm about to sound like so i would go in there and kind of like mock him with the singing but yeah i'm not a singer by far i would never go solo out on some singing like just like like let me hit that solo real quick no nah, i'm not gonna do that singing but uh definitely yeah but but yeah it's the way i wrote the hooks though um it's, it's cool you picked up on it because i it's like I was rapping my ass off on all these songs. It was a real hungry record, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, that's the way the record was supposed to sound. You know, kind of angry, real hard, nothing somber or slow, nothing that's going to make you fucking cry, really. There's one song towards the end of the record called um, uh, Fade Away. That's like my tour song, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it how it affects people, but like that's the only song that kind of almost makes me cry because i'm really right i wrote that shit about my life you know what i'm saying it's like mm. you know being away from my kids for a long time shit like that you know and on the road and stuff and you know that's basically like my tour song but that that's probably as as soft as it gets but like i wrap my ass off so the hooks I, I wanted them big you know so i made sure that they were big if i had to bring somebody in to sing with me i was i was gonna do it or somebody in you know and the only people that was on this record that i had is people that was my uh, uh my artists that are on my label you know what i'm saying i have bells you know what i'm saying i have jason the sin god 
We got Russell Hood. And we just picked up a new artist that I can't mention until the beginning of the year. Armed Robbery Entertainment has become another income source. You don't have to be on the road to make money, which must be a tight arm of your career. It's Yeah, yeah, it's cool, yeah. Um, it, it, it just, you know, I like... Like, for example, Jason the Sin God, you know what I'm saying? This kid is, uh, he's amazing, you know what I'm saying? And, um, like, I love producing for him, you know? It, like, like I'll make some beats with with, uh, with him in mind, you know? And then I'll send them over to him, or he might be in the studio while we build it, you know what I'm saying? Because we're, we're working on his debut, like, studio album right now, you know? His first actual studio album, big album, and uh, uh, I'm producing the majority of it. You know, I'm producing the whole album, but I'm not necessarily making every beat. You know, because there's a couple other real dope producers out there that we want to work with, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna use. You know, and um, <clears throat> but it's like, man, yeah, just working with him and shit. Like, I like doing that part of it and seeing other people get that shine now. You know, what I'm saying like, yeah, I've, you know, I've got my my time to shine always, and I can always keep that going and do it. But yeah, it definitely keeps me. And you know, I'll tell you what, working with all my artists. Like, especially right now during COVID, no touring, it definitely keeps me on my toes versus just sitting at the crib playing fucking Xbox or something, you know what I'm like? Yeah, man. Well, that's that's the thing about the independent hustle, right? You have to believe in yourself and you have to surround yourself with people who get your drive and believe in you too. And that is a magic energy. And I think that's important, right? So it, important. It's cr- yes, yeah, it's, it's super important, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you couldn't be more right. It's like, it like, and it's crazy because- all of us here at AR Entertainment, we have literally the same dream. You know what I'm saying? We have the same goal. Even though some artists were signed sooner, some were signed later. We're all from different parts of the fucking country, basically. You know what I'm saying? A couple of us are from Detroit here. Jason's from Alabama. Oh, wow. The new, the new cat, what I can say, the new cat that we that we're signing, he's from Cleveland. You know? And it's so it's like, you know, people are from different areas and shit, but... Uh, Man, it's like, yeah, uh, all that difference, you know, between us, like from where, how we were raised and everything, we all have the same goal and the same dream to make uh, this, you know, make this AR shit really flourish and, and be what everybody needs right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, the underground game is weird right now, man. <laughs> it, you know, it's, yeah. I, never, I never thought it'd be like that because the underground, we were usually all the ones. When I say we, I mean everybody that's in the underground right now. Like, we were the ones that always had it together. Like, oh, look at the mainstream falling off. You know what I'm saying? All this mainstream bullshit crap on the radio. Right. Now, there's a bunch of weird, crazy shit going on within the other underground. It's to where you're like, what? So... We're we're here to go ahead and just save all that, you know. Like we're, you know, we want people to be able to depend and, and look at us and know that, you know, that this is a family over here. We are the saviors of this shit. Well, then the way that's a, that's a really good way to put it because the way to make the underground great is by putting a high level of quality, right? Having a high bar of quality, not putting out trash, making sure that like everything's curated well, produced well, and having a high bar of quality. And I feel like in in all the like Let Them Bleed and Book of Wicked stuff and all the stuff you've done and your solo stuff, that's what kind of what you bring to the table. Always quality, always quality over quantity for me. Like, you know, fuck a 22 track album if it's going to sound like, you know, like you can not even even if it's more than mediocre like it has to be great quality is one of the things i take pride in like for real like when like when people come to the studio because here at, at our studios you know at, at the vault studios um people can also rent studio time here you know what i'm saying they they can we have 
engineers on deck, you know, 24 hours a day. It's 24 hours, you know. Um, people can book me if I'm available, you know what I'm saying, to, to engineer them. Uh, book any of our other engineers that I, I stand behind 100%. You know, I wouldn't have these guys here if I didn't stand behind them, you know. And, um, you know, the whole thing is quality. That's why we, you know, all our clients, they won't go nowhere else now, you know, they because they're like, shit. We know that we're good when we go there, you know, like we're going there. It's quality. And they're like, what the fuck, man? Like everything, like everything, like you said, it's dope that you noticed that because I I wouldn't let it even get released or go out if it didn't hit to, I guess, what, whatever my standard is, which is like just the best type of quality there is. Like that's, that's all you're going to get. I mean, we could fucking, we just did, me and Jason, we just did uh, some shit that, you know, is crazy. Uh, you know, it, it, we just did a 15-track mixtape in, in 72 hours. Wow. You know, we stayed in the <laughs> studio for 72 hours and knocked it out. And he's such a beast. He fucking just murdered it, you know, as on, on, for the rapper aspect. He murdered it. And then me on the boards. I killed it. It's like all these songs, man. You're gonna think that we spent six months recording this mixtape. It's so fucking dope, and the quality's gonna be so. <laughs> it's there. I'm not even done mixing it yet, all the way. You know what I'm saying? It's on my on its final mixes, you know. But uh, and the name of that mixtape, I'll just go ahead and plug that right now. It's um, it's uh, the process four, which is Jason's mixtape series, but hosted by me. You know, like I, I put them out. Well, we put them out. Ar puts them out. I host them, and um, it, that's Jason's mixtape series, and it's his fourth installment. You know. I hosted number two, three, and now this is four. And, I mean, like I said, we were knocking them out left and right. I mean, we were pumping, like, five songs or more a day, depending on, you know, how we did it. And we, we, we didn't lose no quality because <laughs> he's a quality rapper and I'm a fucking quality-ass producer, you know what I'm saying? It's like, but it, it's very important. Yeah, man. I used to listen to demos. I used to listen to demos, you know, um, in Psychopathic Records in one of their offices. I found... Uh, a box full of demos like that people would send in and mm. I, was, I was like yo uh, you know can I go through these it's like when I was f first new it's like they were like yeah fucking go ahead you know what I'm saying that's, that's demos people sent in and shit so I went through all of them and guess what when I put your shit in when that shit sounded like shit off top it, it got probably like three seconds of my time you know like maybe five you yeah. know but if I heard some shit that off jump sounded quality you're getting my time. I was listening, and then you you might have even got a phone call or got played on the uh, W Fuck Off Radio when me and Shaggy had that show together on W Fuck Off Radio. Like when we would find somebody nice out out the demo thing, like we'd give them some shine on the radio, you know. So it's that's like, but that's what I listen for, man. And um, I listen for quality and dope beats. That's what here hits my ears first when I listen to demos. The beat catches me first, and then I'll then I'll go back and listen. I listen to what he's the rapper saying too. Yeah, it's just, that's that's just the order my ears hear it and, and my brain takes it for some reason. I don't know. Well, it's like they say the medium is the message. Like with hip hop style and flavor, all that stuff is like central because if it's weak, you could be so lyrical. But if it's like, you know what I mean? It's got to have. I always like stuff that's maybe poppy in a way or produced in a way where you you're, it catches your ear. And then you're gonna hear what's what's their message, and then if they've got a cool message, that's when I become a fan, right? You know, some people get away with just rapping about nothing, and it sounds cool. Sometimes that's fun. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like every now and then you need you need music like that. You just you don't need to listen to every single song. Somebody just preaching to you or trying to teach you something. You know, like sometimes it's just to 
it's fun just to do a song that makes absolutely no sense but sounds dope you know like that's just you know you need that sometimes but uh for the most part man yeah i I, you got to be saying some dope shit to 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 catch my ear really it's how always been i'm I'm a fucking dj so it's like you 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 know that's what almost every dj listens to like this this bitch about to rock a crowd yeah okay it's getting (laughs) fucked with then you you, so speaking of being in studio this is cool like getting this behind the scenes vision what what if Joe and Joey taught you being in the studio that like you've taken to work with your other artists if they as they kind of mentored you? There's a lot of studio magic that I won't let out, you know what I'm saying, for uh, you know, for what we did during ICP sessions. But one thing that they taught me that I can, that can kind of sum it up is the professionalism of what goes into making like uh, you know, like mixtapes a little bit different, but what goes into making like a studio album. You know what I'm saying? You sit there for, you know, one song could take a week, depending on, you know, how much post-production you're doing, shit like that. It's like, but that's that quality. If you listen to ICP, you know, it's all quality, you know what I'm saying? And it shows, like, you know, you can hear it in the fucking, as soon as you, you know, and then, you know, it's, yes, it goes back to that quality thing that we're talking about. But yeah, it was the professional, what I learned from them mainly without letting any of the magic out or anything like that is the professionalism. You know what I'm saying? You have a steady studio squad, you know, um, yourselves, you put yourselves on a nice schedule, a regular schedule. You treat that shit like it's a job, only it's not. So it makes it a lot funner. You know, it's like, it's not, not you know, you ain't going to work under some asshole boss, you know, that's going to be fucking, you got to watch your back for, or you don't, so you don't get yelled at or no shit, you know? It's like, you're having fun. You're, You're literally doing what you love, you know? But if you go in there and put the hours in, you literally set up a schedule, you know? And you execute it like that. You stick to that schedule, you know, and and that's one of the main things that I took away from that as far as making like studio albums, you know, and that's what shit. If anybody's, you know, whoever's listening right now and if you haven't recorded a studio album yet and you're thinking about it, you should probably take that advice, you know. <laughs> yeah, patience, right? That the fact that your patience will be rewarded if you do it right. Very yes, yes. A lot of people want to get it done quick, 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 and then they want it emailed to them in you know two days like okay like you don't even so you don't even want to give it time for post-production like you don't want to give it time to add all the sweet shit like you just even if you're a dope rapper it's like you just laid down some dope ass tracks that you could make fucking even more massive if you just do some extra post-production like you know i mean that's what studios are for man like you know we don't put all we don't put all this money in the studios just to go in there and fucking do a, a, a one take track and fucking you're out like it, you know that's what a karaoke machine's for or something. Right, you know, right. Like, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like fucking hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent on studios and studio equipment and shit. It's like that's for a reason, man. That's that's for that quality and that's so that way, you know, like me, like talking as an engineer or a producer can go in here and do some ill shit with the track you know you have your new hot sauce and it's named after your record let's talk about that and what inspired you to, to do to do that flavor yeah yeah well um to do that flavor it was this this hot sauce has been in the works it's been in the works for about a year now it would have been out sooner but covid mm. hit fucked a lot of shit up you know what i'm saying um mm. Uh, the company that their whole kitchen had to shut down and stuff. It's a company out of California called Hella Hot Hot Sauce that's actually making and bottling this stuff for me out of a recipe that I have. I gave them. We sat down and talked. But what they did was they um, 
they made the recipe better. You know what I'm saying? They did what they do best as a hot sauce company and added the little ingredients that I might not have thought of, you know? It made that, it made it really come to life, you know? So, um, you know, cause like, this ain't no novelty hot sauce. This shit is fucking delicious. Like, I, I'm gonna have a more novelty one coming out. We're, we're already talking about it and it's gonna be called Let Them Bleed. And it's, and it's gonna be like, not even fun type of hot, like, I'm gonna have the let him bleed challenge and everything. You know what I'm saying? Like for real. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be dope. Shit's gonna be blood red. That's already all in talks. Cause this overfear hot sauce is doing real good right now. And the reason why I named it that is like, cause this slogan popped in my head. Like a lot of people are scared of hot sauce. Well, this is this is only habanero hot, which is just a step up above jalapeno. You know, so it's like it ain't nothing any people anybody should be afraid of. So it's like you know that's why the slogan is like don't fear the sauce, overcome it. You know, that's the, that's the slogan on it. So, uh, and I mean, you can slap it. I made it as a wing sauce, you know, but I, it, 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 the reason why though I named it is, is, is just went hand in hand with the record, you know, like the way the sauce tastes is like how the record felt like the shit, right. the shit's hot, son. You know what I'm saying? Like the shit's hot, son, you know, like, so <laughs> it, made, it just made sense, you know? There's a uh, poetry term. Emily Dickinson uses this a lot. Synesthesia. It's when senses connect. So what you hear is like what you taste. What you see is like what you feel. So like you were able to do synesthesia on the album and turn it into a sauce. That's pretty tight. That's fucking awesome. I I never known about that. Like I never heard that. You know, and our synesthesia. Yeah, it's my first time hearing that word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's crazy that you say that. It's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that's yeah, that. right. That's what I'm saying. It's like it was meant to happen, I guess. You know, it was meant to happen. And, you know, like if stores wanted to pick it up. So everybody listening, if you want to get it in your local stores, holler at them. And if they want that shit, fucking blow up my social media and we will get it in your fucking store. You know, we will. You know, vegans ain't got to worry about it. They can fucking enjoy it as well, you know. Slap it on some fucking tofu or soy burger. <laughs> that shit yeah. is slap, for real. Is it hotter than sriracha? I'm assuming it is. A little talking, bit. Yeah. Okay. Not 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 by much though. It's definitely a lot. See what makes up for it though, and kind of takes your mind off of that little bit of you know that hotness that that you that you catch, is the actual flavor of it. So it's a, it's a, the the actual flavor is so it's over fear. Sweet citrus habanero is what it is. That's the flavor. So so the sweetness that you're tasting is maple. You know what I'm saying? It's actual all it's organic maple. You know and um. And the citrus is uh, like a lemon and an orange blend that's, that's used, like fresh squeeze. All this shit, like I said, is organic as hell. Like they were, he sent me like videos of him making it and shit. I was like, damn, that's awesome. Like that's great, you know. Like, like no substitutes, no bullshit, you know. And um, and then you know habanero that speaks for itself. That basically lets you know the the heat of it. Basically, it's habanero hot, you know. So, but the sweetness is is that flavor, that citrus and that sweetness together, like that takes that hot away. It makes you forget about it at least. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I can't say right. it takes it away, but it makes you forget about it because you're like you slap it on like say say some tortilla chips or something like you slap it on that, and then you're you're eating it and you're like, damn, this shit is good. Then you'd be like, oh shit, but I'm kind of on fire a little bit. Like it's a little a little hot though, but but fuck, here, pour that shit. On, give me another chip. Where did you grow up? Like I just want a little bit of your story. I know we know about your origin into psychopathic, but I just want to talk about your life as a kid, man, and like what brought you to music. You're asking you're you're asking all the best questions man what 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 a great interview a good job dude because you know most questions are Thanks, pretty man. fucking generic you know and they just want to know about you know strictly music and i mean you covered that and shit too but you know it's like what what a good question so it's like i had a i had a 
I guess what you would call a pretty normal childhood. It was crazy, though. I mean, uh, I was born in fucking 84, so late 80s is when I started getting my memory, you know what I'm saying, what I could remember back to and shit. And, like, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of crazy shit. Born and raised in Southwest Detroit, you know, like, born and raised in Southwest Detroit, still in Southwest Detroit, you know what I'm saying, on house in Southwest Detroit still right now. And um, we... uh all my whole family is born and raised Southwest Detroit, you know. Um, in crazy coincidence, born and raised on Military Street. Oh, really? So when I was That's when crazy. I was older, before I discovered I after when I discovered ICP when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? I heard that song like shit. They're rapping about my street. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where yeah. that's the street. My dad and my uncles and aunts and. Um, and my grandma and grandpa, they owned a house there on Military Street in Delray, on the Delray side across the tracks. And um, it, it just recently it got all flattened because that new bridge project's coming in, that Gordy Howe bridge over here. So Delray Delray's like just all flat ground right now. It's crazy looking like these days, you know. But yeah, uh, born wow. and raised right over there, you know. That's where I came. And then shortly after that, uh, we moved just probably like a mile away down the road. Um, I... Uh, Right off of Fort Street, this, we call it Cemetery Side. It's right by Fort Street and Woodmere, right by the uh, right by Woodmere Cemetery. So I was, you know, raised basically across the street from a cemetery, you know, and um, and and you know that always is crazy to me too because it's like, damn man, like I've traveled far, I've done a lot of shit, just to end up right back here at the end of the day when when I die, I'm gonna end up right back here at this fucking cemetery. No matter how far I go, or I'm oh, like yeah. when I wake up and see you every day, I'm gonna end up right back here. Cause chances are, if I do, that's where I'm gonna be buried at, you know, <laughs> or, or cremated, whatever I decide on when I get fucking older and start thinking about death. But uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, pretty normal, pretty crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like the '80s, there's a lot of, you know, what I'm saying like. There's a lot of dope dealing and crack and shit like that, but I, it's very vague to me, like that whole thing, because I was real young. I was probably like only like five years old. Now I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. saying like my family was crackheads. I'm just saying that shit was around me. You know what I'm saying? I was like, that was the thing going on. Like I remember my parents' friends like smoking crack, like stepping out smoking crack, sneaking it, like crazy shit like that. And that's one of my like earliest memories. Um, my parents, my mom was originally uh, from Detroit here. My dad, Detroit. Uh, we're all just born, raised Detroit, whole family, basically. And um, my mom, man, I found a bunch of crazy shit about my mom right before she passed. Like her, uh, her dad, my grandpa, which I never knew because he died early. Uh, um, well, supposedly, I found out. You know, I found out he was tied into a lot of that Hoffa shit that was going on. Oh wow! Yeah, and so he died because he, he um, like closed casket style, fucking. He got. He didn't die. He fucking got. He got whacked. You know. And um. Um. I didn't find none of this shit out until probably about just like, like maybe eight years ago. In my life, you know what I'm saying? When I heard all this news, I was like, "What?" Now I gotta go. For, I'm. I'm. Now I'm about to pay some money to see the real history about my fucking family. This shit's interesting. Now I thought it was just some kind of yeah, some regular bland shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I find, <laughs> you know, like uh, my my ma's dad. Like I said, which I never knew, my grandpa, he, like he had bread, like he was he was papered up, and like he had a yacht down in the Caribbean, so they they mm. went down to the Caribbean. Uh, my ma, her brother, her ma, her dad, they went down to the Caribbean, and uh, it was also their business. It was a big ass yacht to where they would take like, um, 
like little like whoever would come down there like celebrities whatever they'd rent it out and shit and um you know my mom would tell me that her and her brother would work for them they'd be like you know like the servers or whatever like it was a big ass yacht like fucking they would take people would go out there and stay on that yacht for like you know a weekend or a week you know and she she told me about memories of like you know scuba diving and all that shit down in the caribbean many years later you know i mean well she you know they came back to detroit many years later when i'm back to this crazy shit where my grandpa got whacked or whatever um uh i find out that she told me that um she used to write back to her friends when they went to the Caribbean. She used to write letters to her friends back here in Detroit all the time, you know what I'm saying, say how everything was going, you know, just writing letters. And um, five years before my mom passed, my grandma passed. And before she passed, she gave my mom a box full of letters, which were those letters, and told her they never made it to Detroit, and this is why. Basically, they went down to the Caribbean, like, he was avoiding getting fucking his head blown off. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, so that's what I learned all later in my life. I'm like, this shit's crazy interesting. Like, sounds like something out of a fucking movie. That's wild. And I didn't know, no, I didn't know my mom's side of the family at all. Like, I didn't know my mom's side of the family at all. Besides my grandma, her mother, that was it. You know, like, wow. like my, wow. the majority of my family is all on my dad's side. It's, a bi- you know, it's big, big ass family, you know. And, um, yeah, so that was crazy learning many years later, you know, and definitely intrigued the fuck out of me like i want to go like, i'm i'm like, i wonder if ancestry.com could pull that type of shit up you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure because there's another theory that that their family had that my grandma had told my mom was uh wow. we don't believe wow. your dad's really dead he faked his death that wasn't his body because when they when they when the coroner took him and when he was in there nobody was allowed to go identify the body including my ma's ma including his wife you know what i'm saying like <laughs> only person was this is the way it was explained to me from my mom she yeah, said the only I'm person sure. she said she remembers this when my, she was you a know kid. my mom's really the only person that was able to identify the body was her aunt and her aunt was you know tied into uh her dad like was kind of whatever he had going on with it you know what i'm saying i see all these old pictures yeah. i see all these old pictures he he was fucking balling. I'm like, God damn. I wish I had some of this money. He had he fucking he he don't, <laughs> you know like I mean you know right, what I'm saying right. like shit. If maybe if he wouldn't have got whacked, I'd have grew up into some money or something. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> but that definitely didn't happen. It, you know because I mean I I got old pictures of him. He he owned a fucking airplane. He had his own plane. He owned a fucking yacht. They wow. were in the Playboy Club. Like they were fucking like celebrities. He that I got cut out pictures he was tied into man this is like some old fucking 70s shit or 60s shit <clears throat> he got pictures of him my grandma uh a couple of like the dallas cowboys that were at the time and like a couple models in a newspaper it's a newspaper cutout that I, I still have you know and it's um it's them and they're posing with these fucking tall ass ski things you know what i'm saying they, they if you look them up you can google them uh they're called I, th- I believe they were called the walk on water skis they were a huge flop but he was like he okay. was like a big part of the uh i don't know if he was the big part of like creating or just the uh promoting you know what i'm saying but but what he was but i just know i got the newspaper cutouts and and they were also tied into um the first i, th- I believe it was the first car that fucking was able to be um driven 
off of land into into water. That's what's up. Like like there's old news clips. It's like my mom and her little brother, their kids, like sitting in the back seat. They you know they you know the news wanted the family thing. So it was my grandma, my grandpa, and then my mom, her brother. You know, in that car and in these news clips driving right off the fucking dock into the water and fucking these little propellers or motor starts up and they're fucking old amphibious cars right i've heard about that i think it was that's what it was called something it had the word amphibi something in it it was like called like the amphibian or something like that yeah i believe that's what it was and i'm like wow like that's crazy so you know and the music history we're talking about um not much music in my family, besides one of my uncles, he's a fucking, he's a, an amazing drummer. Like, he's a fucking monster, you know? And I remember going down in my grandma's basement on Military Street when I was a fucking kid. Like, everybody was smoking weed down there. And shit. it was like a fucking, it looked like a, the way I remember it right now, it was like walking into um, the shelter at St. Andrew's Hall downstairs. It's like, you mm. know what I'm saying? But everybody's smoking weed. It, it looked like a little venue down there. Like, he had his whole band in there and shit. I remember walking down there and I'd sneak down there until, like, one of my un- other uncles or their their boys would catch me and be like, hey, man, get your little ass upstairs, you know? Because <laughs> there's a lot of weed smoke or something like that, you know? So, um, you know, that, that was the only dude that was, like, really musically inclined in my family. It was my dad's brother, you know? And, um, then you know I don't know I got I got into music when I discovered a crate of records uh, that my mom and dad had and they had an old I was very young like I had to been like s- still around that same age seven years old s- something like that and uh, I remember uh, shit, I don't think I ever told this story in a fucking interview this is cool uh, I remember you know they they had like a floor model record player slash eight track player slash I think radio as well but. And they had one crate of records, and uh, the first records that I've ever heard, the first like music that I remember, was was Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller. They had that on twelve inch. They had um, forty five. It was a forty five of the Beach Boys, Surfing USA. It was just the single, you know. And, um, it was a yeah. It was a forty five of the Beatles, Love Me Do. I know that song by heart to this day. I haven't fucking listened to it. Or I know it by heart to this day since just because when I was a kid, you know? And uh, Green Onions. I don't remember if Green Onions was the name of the band or if that was the name of the song. But I remember. But I remember that was like my jam. Like I used to put, I didn't give a fuck what it said on it. Was, I just knew yeah. the color of the record and I put it on there, you know, because that was my shit. And I remember setting up. It's crazy because... Like, here I am doing it for real in real life in front of real audiences. But I remember setting up, like, yeah. stuffed animals as my fake band. And I was the lead singer with the fucking, with a toy guitar. Putting on, like, shows for, uh, putting on shows in the living room for, like, my mom and dad and, like, their three friends that were chilling with them or something, you know? Like, <laughs> That's tight. that That's shit tight. was crazy. Like, I remember that. Wow, dang. I'm glad you asked that question because I would, man, it's, like, I, I wouldn't remember that. It was so long ago. I was little as fuck. That's so that's kind of like that's kind of like my musical hit background basically that's like my musical background like my family shit like that you know michael jackson the beach boys and the beatles are all artists whose main elements were like their use of melody and their really strong coherent understanding of rhythm oh shit and there was this record one more record there was that inspired me like musically when i was a kid same time whatever i don't know the name of the band or i remember the name of the album though it was called attack of the guitars the the cover on it was fucking crazy. It was like hand drawn. It was like these guitars that were like fucking Godzilla sized, like stepping all over a city or a neighborhood. And man, I wish man, I wish fuck. 
I'm, I'm gonna have to look that album up on fucking like eBay or something. It was called Attack of the Guitars. That shit has it had some dope ass guitar work on it, and it was all like instrumentals too. I don't remember no. It was that type of music. I don't remember no lyrics being on that shit. And I'm like, to this day, there was some shit I remember to this day that was so dope that I want to sample, but I just have, I, you know, I don't don't have that record no more. I don't know what happened to it. Yeah. And uh, I guess I could just fucking, like I said, look on eBay, I guess now. I just never thought of it. That's cool. Clay, what was your family's like cultural background if you want to talk about it? I'm Mexican. I'm Mexican and white. My mom was white. My dad's Mexican. But I grew up Mexican. It's like Mexican as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like in, um, in uh uh not but the mexican household family like the only person that was white was my mom you know because like i said i didn't know nobody in my mom's family they all lived far like some people lived in canada i didn't know who the fuck they were some people lived in florida never seen them you know yeah. but I, my mom would just tell me the stories here and there but it, you know it was all hispanic you know we grew up hispanic like just like kind of traditional you know you know mexican family only i never spoke spanish as much as you know <laughs> real mexican family speak spanish you yeah. know like my fam my family spoke it because my grandma would speak it all the time and my fucking dad would speak it only he never spoke it to me so i'm like god damn you you know what i'm saying why, why didn't you fucking speak that shit to me and my, i would know it fluently right now you know like shit yeah when my grandma was i remember being young my grandma speaking it to me i understood the shit fluently i can still like it's i can still speak it and understand it but I wouldn't call myself fluent at all, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, but, but we grew up as a, you know, that whole side of the family was my family, you know, and that was it. And it's a big family. You know, there's, uh, what, my dad has <clears throat> four brothers, one sister, you know, and then plus my dad. So it was a pretty big family, you know, and um, uh, so we grew up like that, you know, pretty traditional. All Everybody was always close, you know, everybody still lives pretty close together. Like, not too far. We all still see each other, you know, and shit like that. But, uh, pretty, yeah, pretty traditional, like, style. But they taught me the dope game. <laughs> and, and they introduced me to a lot of rock and roll music and a lot of rap because, like, they were back, you know, they were doing the thing in the 90s. Like, they were getting it. A couple of my uncles were, you know, they they haven't done it in many, many years now. You know what I'm saying? They're... There's some of the there there are a couple of the lucky ones that got out of the game easy scot free and, and I'm glad you know because shit can always go crazy in that game but yeah they were they really were doing some wild shit like a couple of uncles were really balling you know and and that's why I got where one of my first fucking uh, big stereo systems from was from one of my uncles mm. and uh, you know like that like that was a hookup to me that was a real hookup because it was like a big ass Kenwood like. Because my mom and dad couldn't afford a fucking Kenwood system. And, and I had, like, the biggest speakers on the block. I'd set them bitches up in my window. And, you know what I'm saying? Just, like, I I, I would entertain. my the, the, the street that we ended up living on is called Distal. It was a small street right there in the southwest uh, by the cemetery. And um, um, when I first got my turntables, is around the time my uncle gave me that system. And, uh, well, I had the system first for a little while, you know, and I would just bump music. I would just bump you know, whatever mixtapes, like local DJs and shit like that. And, uh, and just, just kind of entertain the block. I'd kind of be DJing, but off a tape deck, you know? So I kind of, I like that shit would rock. It was a, like I said, it wasn't a huge block. So it's like, if, if there, if people were out there with, with the basketball hoops and they were hooping, I had my speakers in the window and shit. And I, I had them, 
I had everybody entertained for sure. When the turntables came in play, it was like I was 13 years old when I got my first pair of wow. turntables. So when those came into play, now I was I was really DJing. I'd set the speakers up and like I'd have the whole I'd have my whole little hood right there like rocking, you know. And it's crazy because I watched the evolution of hip hop that show that's on Netflix. Have you ever seen? Yeah, it? yeah. Right, yeah. Did you see the one where they're covering the where they're covering Luke, Uncle Luke, and shit like that? Yo, that one in Two Life Crew, Luke was doing the same shit I was doing. I didn't know that. Right. I I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yo, that's the shit. I, he was doing it right there in his front yard. The only difference is I wasn't doing it in my front yard. People would be there in the front yard. They'd be more in the street because there would always be a basketball game going on, and there'd be like chicks hanging out. You know what I'm saying? But everybody's like anywhere, you know, from older like gangbangers to younger kids like i like i was when I, you know i was about like i said i was 13 at the time and um i would do it out of my room though like i said i'd set the speakers up in my window my my window was facing the street you know in my bedroom window and i would just dj inside the house i was like i didn't i ain't trying to lug that shit in and out you know what i'm saying i never thought about it but when i seen that shit about luke and how he did it i was like yo that's the shit i was doing i gained a lot of respect i gained a lot of love for him i always respected yeah. him i gained and i always loved i always loved him too but after that episode i was like man i was like okay that's crazy he was doing it because i was doing the same shit it was fun man you know i just loved entertaining people like i didn't mind it i didn't care about being out there playing basketball or nothing per yeah. se like but I, I liked being in there knowing that i had that bitch rocking you that's know? Tight. but at the same time it was all practice for me you know, it was just all practice for me, you know, and then for them, it was entertainment, you know. Man, we're getting some gems, some DJ Clay history. You're asking the right questions. That's why, though. You're asking, you know, some great questions, man. Thanks, man. Because we know your past. So what's next? Well, what I'm the most excited about right now is everything that we have coming up. And yeah, I can speak on it. Bales, you know what I'm saying? He's the first artist we signed to AR Entertainment. He's a fucking monster. He's a beast. He has a new mixtape dropping. Um, That's tight. Yes. And this is the first that anybody's heard of it. This is right here. I'm dropping it first. Now, I got to go on social media after this and let everybody else know, too. <laughs> but no, yeah, he has a mixtape dropping. And it's called Unreasonable Drought. That's tight. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like, like a homage to, um, you know, that Jay-Z, the Jay-Z album, Reasonable Drought. But it's an unreasonable drought because in the streets right now, there ain't that much work. Shit's crazy. <laughs> Shit's unreasonable. So... <laughs> And that's the truth, you know. He's he he really lives that life, you know. He's about that life, and he, he's a monster on the mic, you know. He's a, he's he's a fucking beast, you know. So that's coming out. The release date is not exactly set, but it's coming soon. It's coming very soon. Like just stay posted to my social media, and you'll see it. You know, what I'm saying stay posted to Bell's social media, and, and and you'll hear it. You'll you'll know when it's coming out. But it's a fucking slapper. Like this mixtape, it's hosted by me, as well. And um, we have The Process 4 by Jason, the Sin God, coming out. That is dropping January. So you can expect that very soon. You know, like that's coming real soon. I love the Go Berserk song that Jason and uh, Bales did together, right? Is Bales, Bales is on that track, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Jason featuring Bales. They that's murdered tight. that shit. Yeah, I did that. I did that beat. And man, I was like... Like that beat right there, man. I've been doing some, some. I've been experimenting with bass and doing some wild shit. Like that one right there, that shit'll give the shittiest fucking phone. It'll, it'll make it sound like you got a subwoofer in that bitch, you know? Like that bitch rumbles. I'm real excited about the process for. I'm real excited about unreasonable drought, bells, Jason and Sin God. Um, I. Right now, what I have is the hot sauce in my record, you know what I'm saying, Over the Fear Of is out, and then the 
over fear the hot sauce is out too right now like everything you know our from our merch line that we got going on you know uh my partner that owns the record label with me you know what I'm saying he's the ceo of the record label um i'm excited as fuck about his clothing line here he is coming out it's called el jefe you know and um it's it's there's el jefe merch up on our web store right now and the web store is 211merch.com it's just 211merch.com and there's you know you'll find everybody's shit on there bell shit like his records his old mixtapes my shit jason shit russell hood shit uh you'll find um the el jefe clothing line on there like you know there's a lot of cool shit man and um you know uh i'm excited about all that i mean that's a lot of stuff to look forward to not to mention i'm just starting production on my next solo record Ooh. and that it's a trilogy so so if, if anybody's ever noticed the title of my record is over the fear of and you see the three periods after over the fear of dot 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 there's a continuance to that this next record is the second installment of the trilogy so that's gonna fill in the second blank and um the title of that's gonna be title dot 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 i don't i, I ain't releasing the title of right. that right now i, I it, it, it but it's one of the dopest ideas i've ever fucking had i know that i'm not talking about just the trilogy i'm talking about the way that this next record is gonna be built people are gonna be like holy shit you know like it's crazy but um uh then after that will be the final the third one and then that's and then that's that's it for me that's all i'm doing as far as solo albums like unless it's by like very popular demand but one thing i'm never gonna stop doing is these mixtapes i am do i am doing a let them bleed five mm. okay yeah that's right i want i really wanted that out this year shit didn't work out like that because this year just got fucked you know it went in a lot of different ways you know but um so i would expect that for sure sometime probably next year i win i would like to shoot for the summer but that's also when i want to release uh the next record as well so it's all about timing for that so i'm excited about all this i mean i got my plate full yeah and then fuck man if they start letting us tour again you know what i'm saying like i'm really looking forward to that man like fuck yeah that's my drug that's my drug right there that's i mean that like you were talking about earlier you know like what do they give you you know what i'm saying and that to that heroin addict, you know what I'm saying, or that stab you with that adrenaline, it's like that. That adrenaline that you get on stage, there's no high like it. You know, there's nothing like that high, and it's and you don't have to sniff it or smoke it to get that shit. <laughs> all you gotta do is get, all you gotta do is get up there and rock that bitch, and then fuck, man, it's hard to go to sleep for the next eight hours after that. Right. You know. Yeah, I know, especially when going back to what we we're talking about earlier having a crew of friends around you who believe in you, who love you, who got your back and you're in it together as a, as a team. It's like, there's nothing like that, man. Unstoppable. Yeah. We, we, even, even if people aren't in the same state as me right now, we all move, like we move militant as fuck. Like we, like we're tight knit over here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, we're here to save this underground shit. Yeah. I think it's so cool that you're able to connect all these things, stay creative during this lockdown appreciate you being on the show man and i i one of your songs i really like that i was listening to today is called don't quote me i thought maybe we could end with that we'll drop that at the end is it, if that's cool with you yeah drop it yeah yeah fuck yeah that's that shit's dope that was a that was a um speak my mind angry type of track like i said that whole record you know just the title itself over fear is just like you know 
it, it meant a lot to me. It, it's kind of universal for maybe the listener. For that title, they could take it how they want. You know what I'm saying? It's basically get over the fear of whatever the fuck you're scared of doing because everybody's demanded, uh, like the fans have been demanding a solo record for me for the longest, ever since like mm. the second Let Them Bleed uh, mixtape that I put out, you know, years ago. And, uh, and, um, it's been, you know, everybody's always, you know, fans have always commented, when are you going to do that solo record? When, you know, then truth is, I was scared to do that. You know, I didn't want it to, not be perfect you know so i didn't want it to i I didn't want it to be a failure through my eyes or any crazy shit like that so i finally got over that fucking fear to make this and then i was like you know what i'm gonna if i'm gonna do it i'm not just gonna do a record i'm gonna do this trilogy so i'm so so the next the next title when you hear it's gonna make even more sense that's right like after over fear you know what i'm saying so yeah that's that's awesome clay i appreciate your time and is there anything else you want to say before we we sign off I said it all, man. I already did my plugs. I did everything. But I do want to thank you for having me on your podcast, bro. Like, thanks a lot. You know what I'm saying? For reaching out, hit me up. Thanks for promoting the sauce. Everybody, go to 211merch.com. Grab the sauce. Grab a record. You're going to love both. I guarantee it. Like, for real. There's, 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 there's I'm, I'm not even, bootleg the fucking record. You're going to love it. I don't give a fuck. You ain't got to buy it. I don't care. But you're going to love it. I know you are. That's what's that's, that's a great play. All right. Boot, bootleg the fucking hot sauce. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. Try to make it. You're still going to love your bootleg version. <laughs> that's what's up. Well, this is Don't Quote Me from Over the Fear Of by DJ Clay, and we'll be checking in with him later. Peace. Peace.
Dang, DJ Clay, you can flow and produce and DJ. Get out of here. That was great. That song is awesome. Great interview with the talented man. Next week, we have George from Magic Ninja. And a lot of the juggalos know that there was a schism when Twisted left Psychopathic. George uh, manages Twisted and runs Magic Ninja. And so he, he doesn't really get into the feud, but he talks about branding and what it's like to launch a indie hip-hop underground horrorcore label on the backs of um, the major distribution, the mainstream distribution that ICP had. It's an interesting interview. It's cool. And it's cool to have these back-to-back. So tune in for that. We'll see you in December. Thanks, Clay. And uh, I'll see you all on Patreon. Check out that flavor. Talk to you soon. Thanks for your support. Bye.